Dear listeners, welcome at this fourth episode of the Meet the Expert podcast series. And in this series, Meet the Expert, together with well-known experts from around the globe, we explore challenges and opportunities in the big veterinary world. In this episode, we're going to talk about mycoplasma hypopneumonia, causative agent for enzootic pneumonia in pigs, which is often forgotten about. Not so long ago, new insights were acquired about costs relating to eliminating the bacteria. The Meet the Expert podcast series is a co-production of Beringer Ingelheim Animal Health and Pig Progress. And my name is Vincent de Beek. I'm editor for Pig Progress and I'm host of today's episode. And next to me is also audiovisual editor Iris Hoffman, and without whom this podcast wouldn't be possible. And you'll hear her as well during this podcast. Um, today's guest is based in Battleground, Indiana, the United States, and a graduate from Purdue University in the United States, Dr. Tom Gillespie, DVM, was the owner and founder of Rensselaer Rock Swine Services, now acquired by Pipestone. And currently, he's an international consultant for Performance Health LLC. And amongst his many achievements, he received the Swine Practitioner of the Year Award from the AASV in 2010. And he's also a diplomat of the American Board of Veterinary Practitioners in the Swine Health Management Specialty. Welcome, Dr. Gillespie. Happy to have you here. It is my pleasure to be on this podcast and get to know you and Iris a bit better. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, we'll hope to um, to to address um, MHIO in more detail. Uh, this one, um, in a few words, uh, how would you introduce yourself to our uh, to our listeners? Well, I was born and raised on a uh, livestock grain farm back in the well, long time ago, <laughs> in uh, North Central Indiana, and that was my passion to get into veterinary school. Uh, I was first an employee, but soon an owner in a practice that was a mixed animal approach. Mm -hmm. And that's where you really kind of follow your passions, which led me into swine. And then in 1991, I was very fortunate to be able to start my own practice, mm -hmm. as you said. Um, and then as you advance in age, um, things change in life. You go into another phase. Well, that phase was to retire from day-to-day -day practice. And now I get to work on very special projects um, and just keep myself busy enough. Excellent. Well, that sounds like a good basis to um, to have this conversation because one of the things that you recently worked on was MHIO. Um, and yeah, just to make sure that we're um, everybody is with us, um, briefly, MHIO, what is it again and what does it cause? Well, it's a bacteria, and as you called it, uh, enzootic pneumonia. That was the old term mm -hmm. before we ever knew what the causative agent uh, was. Was, And so with advanced diagnostics, we were able to find that it's mycoplasma, hyopneumoniae. It's predominantly in the lungs and nasal cavities, mm -hmm. well, a short time in the nasal cavities. Um, so that led us into how do we diagnose it? Mm -hmm. For many, many years, all we had was a ELISA test. Now, today, with more advanced technologies, we can do a laryngeal swab or a tracheal swab to get a more accurate diagnosis of, is this animal positive? Mm -hmm. And if so, it gives us a little idea, was it recently infected? Or if it's laryngeal swab negative, tracheal swab negative, but 
ELISA positive, then it's been a while since it's been infected. So it gives us a little bit more of a timing issue. I see, I see. And um, yeah, what are the common methods to deal with MHIO on farm when, when it is detected? Well, Vincent, that's the essence of where we're at, at least mm -hmm. in North America. And so we have, as you mentioned earlier, we kind of tolerated this organism for mm -hmm. many, many years because we could vaccinate the herd, you know, buy-in replacement guilds mm -hmm. was sometimes they were infected, sometimes not. Um, all of this led us into an endemic situation. Yeah, it was and not then, like animals died. Uh, well, oh, it, it, it was like, except clinically, it was always there, but it, the animals continued absolutely. to live. Yeah. Absolutely. No problem in the sow herd. Mm -hmm. Oh, we'd get a cough somewhere around 100 to 140 days of age in the grow finish. Mm -hmm. And with a little antibiotic treatment and vaccination, we controlled it. But control can mean that it does cost the producer, farmer money. Yeah. So, therefore, if we can control it, why do we need to have this podcast? Oh, very good question. <laughs> and, and one where I, I really think mycoplasma is the practitioner's disease mm -hmm. because of the advancement in diagnostics. Um, it led us into the question, you know, can we eliminate this, pro uh, this pathogen? Mm -hmm. And if so, there's got to be a cost, but what's the benefits? Mm -hmm. So the vast majority of our literature and research has been in Grow Finish. That shifted a little bit here in the last few years mm -hmm. to the sow herd. Yeah. And we're finding that if we eliminate it from the sow herd successfully, then we have an improved performance downstream in the grow finish. And there's mm -hmm. the recovery, the ROI, as we like to say, in this industry. Mm. So, <clears throat> can, I think that if you want to eliminate it from a farm, you need to know how... Um, a bacteria like this behaves in a farm. Could you, well, how does it usually transmit? Well, let's start with the fact that uh, replacement gilts, oftentimes we would buy them positive, mm -hmm. but it's a very slow transmitting disease. It's not like influenza. Influenza, you know, can infect a lot of animals very quickly. This might be a one-to-one -one transmission meaning that one animal infects another animal that infects another animal. So it's very, very slow, which means that that replacement gilts coming in as a population, they're not all positive at the same time. Mm -hmm. Some of those are going to farrow and be shedding to their offspring. And then their offspring go out into grow finish and we slowly transmit this pathogen from one pig to the next in the nursery, early finisher. And then we get enough of an infection setting into the lungs that they develop this cough. Mm -hmm. So we had to learn how, where this is all starting in the transmission. And if we buy naive gilts, put them into an endemically infected herd, that worked as well. We could control this pathogen, control the, the clinical signs, but we still had this ongoing infection. Yeah, And that eats away at performance and it eats away at... Uh, cost because we have to treat these animals. Mm. So that's kind of the basis for mycoplasma in the importance. And then that led us into, okay, how do we, how do we eliminate it? 
can we eliminate it? Mm -hmm. And that's the fascination part. That's that's where practitioners can really come in and, and show science and, and implement the science that we know today and be successful. Yeah, I know. I know it's hard to give a, a percentage, but I'm right in saying that the number of of the percentage of farms in the U.S. that is currently infected with MIO is really high, isn't it? I would say it's high. Mm -hmm. I don't know that percentage. Yeah. I've never seen any reports on mm -hmm. that, but I would say that it's still fairly high, and especially in the South Herds. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that that would make sense. So there's a, there's a, a pretty of a task ahead of us if we want to eliminate it from from many farms. Um, since we're also going to talk about naive big farms, how can a naive big farm be getting infected? You already mentioned um, uh, gilts, for instance, as a, uh, when, when that's they the primary. Produce. Yeah, you know, transmission really occurs with most of our pathogens, animal to animal. Mm -hmm. After you get through that, uh, then your secondary could be people. Mm -hmm. I've had that occur. Well, I think that has occurred. Mm -hmm. uh, you never, when you do your biosecurity uh, uh, after an outbreak, uh, you, you're never 100% sure, but it sure points to that. Mm -hmm. And then trucks, trailers can be infected. So naive pigs loaded on, you know, wean pigs loaded onto a trailer might do it. And then the last way uh, that comes to mind real quickly here would be aerosol. Yeah. And this particular farm that I've that were the basis for us is a 4200 South mm -hmm. Farm, yeah. and I'm pretty sure that it got infected via aerosol. Mm -hmm. So, so there's different ways of how how the um, the bacteria can get into farms. Um, Correct. Yeah, I think. Well, it is good to emphasize in 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 for for this podcast that we're going to talk about um, your investigation of a situation in a naive herd. Uh, Correct. Why does that make a difference, uh, whether we're talking about a naive herd or a chronic, uh, chronically infected herd? There's very little in the re literature mm -hmm. about the clinical aspects, the mortality in the sows, the mortality and the lack of production uh, that results from an infection in a naive herd. So that was the motivation that I had to capture the data and then write it up. And then part of it is we've looked at the performance records for six years, mm -hmm. the naive period, the infectious period, and then also the post-infectious period. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're looking at that and looking at the economics of two aspects, actually, herd closure and the cost of disease. Mm -hmm. And if we can do this correctly, we're going to separate those costs. And that's going to be another area that Others can look at and say, okay, then I should do this or I should not do this. I see. But I understand it correctly that when there is, when it is uh, present in a chronically infected herd, the, the damage will be worse, uh, will not be as, as bad as when it is a naive herd. Oh, you rarely get an acute outbreak yeah. in an endemically infected herd. Yes. All of all the damage that you deal mm -hmm. with is downstream yeah. in the grow finish animals. Because that in chronic infection, oh, you get a sow to cough, but yeah, that's she's, it. she's not even off feed mm -hmm. very much. But that's why it's good to point out that you worked on a naive herd when um Correct. The, the, the results were a lot worse. Um when you go when we go into that uh, investigation that you did of the four thousand two hundred. Um, sow herd that was somewhere in the Midwest. Am I correct? Uh, the US, correct. Right? Um, 
What, what, was the, what was the clinical picture in the breeding herd following this infection? Could you describe that? I think that's an excellent question, Vincent. Uh, it started in farrowing, in fact. Mm -hmm. Pigs were somewhere two weeks, two and a half weeks of age. The piglets on nursing the sows. Uh, but the sows started coughing first. Then we had it in the baby pigs. And mm -hmm. coughing in, a, in this herd was very, very unusual. Mm -hmm. Yes, we had an endemic influenza situation at times, but nothing. I mean, we were monitoring monthly for PRRS. We were monitoring monthly for mycoplasma. So it was a very high health herd. Mm -hmm. Well, when the coughing started, that got us in doing diagnostics. We found that it was positive to mycoplasma hyopneumoniae. Mm -hmm. We did not find any PERS either before or after. And influenza, yeah, there was antibodies, but no active virus could be found either at this time. So, and so that led into the mortality, you know, during that infectious period, sows would go off feed. We had this huge struggle in keeping baby pigs alive. Mm -hmm. And of course, sow mortality increased, pre-weaning mortality increased. And when you own a sow herd, the one thing that you want to always have is pigs at weaning. Mm -hmm. And most farms will have a goal that they want to achieve. Well, we were not able to achieve that goal during this infectious period. Okay. Um, <clears throat> in case elimination is desired, um, a common method is herd closure. Um, could you briefly describe what does that in fact mean in practice? Uh, what, what happens during the herd closure and where you're aiming for? Oh, another excellent question. Mm -hmm. And this is part of the cost of herd closure. Mm -hmm. Basically, you have to stop entering replacement kilts. Mm -hmm. And so in our case, we wanted to develop what we call day zero. Day zero is where, in our definition, we had 90 to 93% of the animals infected with the mycoplasma pneumoniae. So day zero then becomes the start of the elimination program. But prior to that, we allowed and we promoted the natural infection. So we had like 13 weeks during this time period after we made the diagnosis that we had, we were promoting all these animals to get the organism to become positive. Mm -hmm. And so then we closed the herd. We, we achieved day zero. That was after the 13 weeks of exposure. We closed the herd. We entered no more gilts. And then we started our elimination project because we know one thing. With some of our pathogens, the animal will eliminate that infection if we give it enough time. Mm -hmm. And with mycoplasma hyaluronidase, it's roughly 250 days, mm -hmm. give or take. So in that case, we started from day zero. We knew when we should be naive again, or negative, I should mm -hmm. say. And that's where we did all of our, all of our management uh, to promote that, all of our other aspects. And at the same time, we're developing a population of naive gilts and breeding those gilts off-site. Mm -hmm. So when we achieve the elimination and our pigs at weaning are negative, then we're going to insert those animals. Some of them went right into the farrowing room. So, yeah, that's that's all part of herd closure and the definition of herd closure. 
I see, I see. So we're talking about 250 days all in all. Yes. Okay. Well, that... plus for, for our case, plus mm -hmm. the 13 weeks prior, mm -hmm. so that all the animal, a high enough percent of the animals could become infected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that is about a year almost of um, oh, yeah, yeah. doing nothing. I see, I see. So in terms of herd performance and profitability, what, 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 what would that mean then? Well, we found out during the infectious period and during this herd closure, it was costing us, the disease was costing us somewhere around $6.80 some cents per sow bread. Mm -hmm. And then part of our work coming out of that was to simulate just herd closure without the cost of disease. Mm -hmm. So we had to work with an economist, and I'm working with Lance Smallberry with the Knowledge Ventures, mm -hmm. and a very clever individual who could design these simulations um, so that we could look at the difference between just closing a herd. What we found out, Vincent, and this is what the most exciting part for me, is that we have this ripple effect with parodies after we do the herd closure. Mm -hmm. So we insert all of these gilts, and by the time they hit their second, third, and fourth parity, they're peaking mm -hmm. in the number of pigs that they have born mm -hmm. and that they can wean. Well, that all developed post the closure and opening the herd back up. We started to see this increased number of pigs weaned mm -hmm. over what we were doing before. Mm -hmm. So there's your ROI that can come back and say, um, you know, it, it, it was successful not only in controlling and eliminating the disease, but I'm making more money because I'm weaning more pigs so, after. So basically, you're asking for patience for the producers. Okay, you, you may be, for this particular Correct. site, you may be out of production for a while, but once you get started again, that's when you reap the benefits. It's a very common question by producers. Mm -hmm. Okay, Doc, if you put this in place, this program in place, and we are successful, when will I be weaning the same number of pigs that I was weaning before the mm -hmm. disease? That's a very common question by owners and producers. So we're trying to answer that question for them. Mm -hmm. I see. Um, yeah, just briefly, okay, um, you did that investigation. Um, what, what, what kinds of things did you measure? What, what, how, how did oh, how does that work? And that's part of that's part of the gap in the literature. Mm -hmm. You know, sow mortality in a naive herd. What what might you experience? Pre-winning mortality, uh, sows that uh, did not conceive after they were bred. How did you handle the the parodies? You know, and so that's what we're exploring at this point. That's probably going to lead into another paper. Mm -hmm. I see, I see. And when you suggested to, to go for herd closure, what was the response? <laughs> oh, that's uh, sometimes in practice you have hard sells. Mm -hmm. And that, that was a hard sell. And the owner says, after he thought about it, he came back to him and he says, I'm going to give you one time to do this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I said, okay, it's going to cost you a little bit more in diagnostics. Mm -hmm. And I want to use antibiotics at the end of the closure period, just in case. Because he, this was a multiplier herd, mm -hmm. so he was he had the ability to sell naive gilts mm -hmm. again, and that's that was his goal. 
And that's why he said, okay, I will give you this time period mm -hmm. to achieve your, your program. But how do I increase the percent of success? Well, that was the use of vaccine in the sow herd during the closure mm -hmm. and antibiotics at the end in both the, in the piglets. Mm -hmm. So just in case there was that one sow left that was still shedding. I see. Um, <clears throat> I would like to know a little bit more about your conclusions, but I would like to give the word to my, um, my colleague Iris as well, because she's got a couple of questions that came in from, uh, from, from outside and she would like to ask them as well. So Iris, the word is yours. Thank you, Vincent. Hi, my name is Iris Iris in Dutch, uh, and I'm from the uh, content development team doing uh, the audio and videos here. Um, and I got a couple of questions from our listeners, and uh, actually I'm uh, really curious myself too. Um, so Tom, could you tell me how the farm is doing today? We have been successful. The farm is producing more pigs at weaning than it did before. And all the diagnostic tests, oh golly, we're uh, going on three years post this program and they've all been negative. That sounds very promising. So everybody, everybody is happy. <laughs> yeah, so... Um What's the farm situation now with regard to the MHIO since the outbreak? It's, it's, there's nothing happening anymore? There, that is correct. Uh, we cannot find the organism at all on the site. So the other thing about that, Iris, is the fact that biosecurity is so important to us today, uh, not just with this pathogen, but with so many pathogens. And that's where the whole industry is applying their resources, both in labor, education, finances, because biosecurity is expensive. But then you have disease, opposite of biosecurity, and that is also very expensive. And that's what has brought us together here today. Yeah, that's one of the things that I had been wondering as well, because you, once you eliminate it from the farm, you want to make sure that it doesn't come back as well. So I suppose that all these entrance routes were kind of carefully checked as well. We did that very early after the infection. And the other part that we didn't mention, there was a sister farm uh, that was only a mile and a half away. I forget what that is in kilometers. And so it was very close. About that two farm and a half, three, broke. Yeah. yeah. That farm broke with mycoplasma. Mm -hmm. And we think it was aerosol. It was during December of that year. And I've looked at the weather and it kind of promotes the humidity, temperatures, wind direction, all seems to promote the fact that it's possible that that's how it got infected. It's the only way that we found during our biosecurity audit. Um, but in any case, we have height, heightened all the activities that surround these farms. Fair enough. Get over to you again. <laughs> over to me again. Yes. Um, another question, uh, question we got from the audience was, um, was the performance increased after the herd closure? Iris, that's the excitement for me as a practitioner of over 40 years. Um, I wanted to try to understand this ripple, this parity ripple effect. So if we insert all these gilts, by the time they hit two and three parities, well, every parity had this ripple. 
what we have found out is if we, and this is kind of an old cliche, but if we can breed the right percent of young females, we produce more pigs. And so you have this uh, mindset on, on a lot of farms today. Well, just breed whatever's in, in estrus and you're fine. Well, that doesn't work in today's world where the feed costs and all of our other input costs are higher. We have to be a little bit more clever. Well, part of that can be in sexually maturing these gilts and having the right percent of gilts in every breeding week. That seems to maximize the number of pigs that we can wean. And so it's it's a it's an old message, but it's a message that we're re-looking at. And that's one of the outcomes of this whole elimination program. We never thought about that ahead of time. But now what I know, I would do a herd closure in very unique situations without a disease, just to straighten out the parity structure on some farms. Sometimes we get too old and we have too many of these older females and it's hard to turn that boat sometimes to get it corrected. But with a herd closure, you can do it more quickly, I think. Well, what, what is the, uh, in, in terms of piglets weaned, could you give a, a, a difference between a, a naive herd or a herd where it was eliminated versus one that does have a chronic infection of MHIM? Oh, that's an excellent question, and I'm not sure I can answer it, Vincent. Um, well, I'd hate to take a take a stab at that mm -hmm. to give numbers yeah. because then people might hang on those numbers. Yeah. But yeah, we've seen this nice improvement in pigs weaned per week afterwards. Mm -hmm. And it's it's been amazing. Fair enough. Okay. That, that makes sense. Yes. Yes, it does. Um, got another question too. Uh, what did the producers themselves learn from this outbreak? Oh, I think... Um, Health is is number one, especially in the sow farm. We we can't depop and repop these sow farms very easily. Where you could uh, a finishing site or a nursery site, if you get a disease in one of those, so that was probably number one. And number two is this whole parity structure issue to improve output, because we we the economics in a sow herd is just the number of pigs that you wean per week. And you want to meet the goal, but if you can exceed the goal, hey, that's even better. That sounds a lot better, yeah. <laughs> and what were the key learnings for the veterinarians? Well, I think you've heard my excitement <laughs> because I, now I have the data in front of me and I've been through the process and we're trying to analyze everything here two and three, four years afterwards. Uh, because we have this six-year uh, window of records, and they're very good records, by the way. And that's part of what this producer was outstanding about, was to capture everything. So we captured temperatures on these sows. They got sick, and so on and so forth. What do you do if a sow uh, dies and the pigs are four days old? You know, how do you hand handle that aspect? So... Yeah, there was, a, there was a big learning curve. It's actually led them into eliminating the organism from another farm. Exactly. Oh, thank you. I think that were all the questions. Um, it was a pleasure to talk to you. 
It's my pleasure as well. Thank you, Iris. I'm uh, taking over from you again. Um, I have a couple of questions and, uh, well, they're kind of um, have a bit of a um, concluding character, so to say. Um, in terms of economics, in terms of finance, uh, what what uh, what were your conclusions in that, uh, this herd closure? How, how could you say something about what, what it meant financially? So the disease actually cost us, and we can capture that amount. Mm -hmm. um, and then we're working on how to give an idea. Of course, this is an N of one, and we need to look at other cell farms that have elimination programs and what happens afterwards and the parity structure and all that kind of thing. But actually the ROI, uh, this farm recovered all the cost of the disease plus within a year or so after the, the, we opened it back up. It, it was amazing to see that. Within a year, that, that is much faster than you would think. Oh, absolutely. And it all comes back to the number of pigs and the mm -hmm. health of the pigs. Uh, the one thing we haven't captured is how their performance in grow finish. Mm -hmm. That goes back into herd closure and the cost of disease. But just strictly from weaning more pigs, uh, you know, practitioners will be able to tell owners, hey, within a year and a half, you should have recovered all your cost. And, you know, that's not a bad return. No, no. In, in contrast, it also it is something that's very um, tangible to to, to tell uh, producers. Okay, it's not just like a let's see and see what happens, but no, this is probably going to be the outcome. Oh, absolutely. And we learned to do this in 2014 when PED broke out in the United States. Uh, that again, the producer says, "Okay, we're going to do this closure and we're going to eliminate this organism. How long will it be before?" I get back to baseline production. Mm -hmm. So we'd established where they were at before the break, and it came back about eight weeks. So very quickly for PED, if we handled the disease correctly mm -hmm. and eliminated it. But that can't always happen on some farms. And, you know, just because of the facility age or the structure. Mm -hmm. So it all comes back to the goal that's developed by the owner and their veterinarian what do you want to do with this particular pathogen? And it's probably also related to the type of pathogen. I mean, I could imagine, as you said, oh, said that um, that MHIO uh, can be overcome by the animals themselves if you allow them. But I suppose Correct. there are kinds of pathogens that will stick around forever. Oh, well, <laughs> because of transmission, mm. because of shedding, because of other reasons as well. Yeah. Yes. But would, would this calculation method that you've developed, um, would it be applicable to other pathogens as well? Could this the, this this exercise, so as you did it, could, could that be done with loads of other kinds of uh, swine pathogens? Actually, yes. Actually, the PED <clears throat> was the thought process that led me into looking at what's how quick can we come back to baseline production here? And that helps develop the ROI. It helps the owner understand what his costs are going to be, when his costs are going to occur. Uh, there's a lot of management that can come out of this. I see. Well, my laptop is almost getting empty, so I, I'm afraid I have to, um, to end this podcast fairly soon. Um, last question from my side. What does this research or this investigation for you mean for future treatment of presence of acute MHIO on naive farms? Well, I think it comes back to my point earlier that mycoplasma is probably the one organism that 
because of its slow transmission, it gives the practitioner the opportunity to better control, even eliminate if that's the goal. And so that's what I like. That's what I like to end this conversation on is that mycoplasma hyonomoniae is, is a practitioner's organism. Thank you very much for this opportunity to share uh, my experiences in this farm, and I wish everybody the best of luck. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Gillespie. I think, I think your research and your investigations have helped swine producers and veterinarians to get to know MHIO a little better again. I'd like to thank you for having you on your podcast. And in the next episode of Meet the Expert, we'll be talking to Dr. Amanda Sponheim of Beringer Ingelheim Vet Medica, also based in the United States. And our topic will then be about um, early respiratory disease detection. Make sure not to miss that one. For now, thank you for listening to this podcast. Thanks again to Dr. Gillespie for being with us with his interesting story. And goodbye. <laughs>